When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. But at what point are you prepared to pay him, and what are you prepared to pay him? See, th- this is really the conversation. Are you ready to pay him $40 million a year? Are you willing to pay him a top-10 quarterback salary? To me, this move is really about are you willing to pay the player what the going rate is at quarterback? Because you're not getting a discount. Why would Justin Fields take less money than Daniel Jones? You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, back with us on the ones and twos. And Michael, we have reached the final week of the regular season. It's sad to say that out loud, but here we are, two games on Saturday. Then we get 14 to wrap things up with game 272 being the Bills at the Dolphins. And we'll get into all the games, but how are we doing here on this morning? Final week, man. Man, it went so fast. Femi. I mean, I don't know how the hell it goes so damn fast, right? I mean, it just doesn't seem like it makes any, I mean, it just flies by and here we are in week 18 getting ready for the playoffs and you know, it's just, it's been a long year, but it's a great year. You know, it's that, you know, it's that letdown after Christmas. You got to put away the Christmas, to, you know, it's kind of <laughs> like, okay, now this is the worst time. You know, when I was in the military academy, the, you know, they used to call this the dark ages because when you come back from Christmas break, you had January, February, March, 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 March to this place, cold. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, man, I get me out of this military cat. Can I escape somehow? You know, come to Vegas. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. The dark ages. So anyway, yeah, we're, we're in the dark. But at least we have football on Saturday and Sunday to continue. We got the great championship game. Are you playing Washington in that game? Are you going uh, to I'm, I'm bet gonna, Washington? I'm going to take the points. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to. So. I don't think I'm going to do money line like we did with the Sugar Bowl. And boy, that ended up being a sweat at the end. My goodness. Um, but I think I'll just take the points, though, and kind of see where this thing goes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know why Washington continues to get disrespected. I really don't. I, I don't understand yeah. it. You yeah. know, I, I don't see why they continue to. I mean, look, I don't think I don't think Michigan has seen a passing game like this game. I mean, Caden DeBoard's done an incredible job at Washington. He's done an incredible job at Fresno. When he was the OC at Indiana, he was incredible. He got Tom Allen that contract extension at Indiana. Let's be clear mm, here. He did. So, you know, I, I don't see how you can overlook this, really. But, you know, Michigan will have a – it's not going to be Milrow where they're not worried about him throwing it. You know, they're gonna, he's going to make some throws. This kid, Penix, is one of the best deep ball throws I've ever seen. I mean, that ball just landed softly right into the receiver. Didn't have to do anything to catch it. Yeah, and they have terrific wide receivers, NFL guys. Roma Dunze, people are talking about him as a high draft pick for like top 15 pick or so. They have Jalen McMillan. They got Jalen Polk. They, they got a lot of really talented players. My only concern, obviously, um, as we get into our college football breakdown, my only concern is just the trenches. Like Michigan is so dominant in the trenches that 
Uh, it's not something that Washington has seen this year. Oregon's really good in the trenches as well, and they're built kind of like an SEC team. But Michigan, I think, is at another level in that regard. But I think it's going to be a close game either way. I think we're set up to see uh, something fun yeah. Monday night, though. It'll be a lot of fun. I, I think it's Ali Frazier. I really do. I think it's, you know, Ali is Washington. Frazier is Michigan. And if Michigan pounds and, pl- and controls the football for 35 minutes, they win. If Washington can spread them out and get this thing into a track meet, I know Jim said that that McCarthy's the greatest quarterback in Michigan history. Removing himself from that conversation, I'm not sure I agree with that. But he, you know, he loves this quarterback. Which, why not? The team's been incredible, and they have been connected all year. We've been talking about it, so be a fun game to watch. Maybe the Huskies can float like a butterfly out there uh, Monday night in Houston. Uh, That'll be a whole lot of fun. But let's get to the NFL where, obviously, this is a pretty crazy week 18. We had 20 teams still in contention to get to the Super Bowl, which is an NFL record. It ties the record for the final week of the season dating back all the way to 1982 where there was 22 teams in contention. So uh, that is uh, where we stand here in week 18. One of the teams that's not in contention but I think is set up for a really interesting offseason, though, Michael, is the Chicago Bears. Bears, who have been surging in the second half this season. I mean, they started the year 3-8. and eight. We all thought that this thing was going downhill, that we're going to remove the head coach, maybe remove the general manager, remove the quarterback. Well, now they sit here at 7-9, and nine, having won four of their last five games, and the fans are chanting, we want fields. Reports are that Eberflus should be back. Maybe Ryan Poles, he's likely to be back as well. They got a bunch of draft picks, a bunch of cap space, big offseason ahead for the Bears. Uh, there's no question. It's a huge offseason for the Bears. And I think, you know, everybody's asking the wrong question. Of course, fans want Fields back, right? The, everybody wants, they want Fields back. But, you know, are you prepared to pay Fields what it's going to be required to pay him? I mean, you know, he's going to enter into his fifth year. You pick up the option, then he becomes a free agent. So, you know, next year he's on your cap for a relatively cheap number. It's, you know, I think he's at like, uh, I think his cap number is $4 million. Great. But at what point are you prepared to pay him and what are you prepared to pay him? See, th- this is really the conversation. Are you ready to pay him $40 million a year? Are you willing to pay him a top 10 quarterback salary? If you're willing to do that, then you got to understand what does your team look like once you do that. There's got to be a bunch of, if you're the Bears and you're Kevin Warren, the president, or you're Ryan Poles, the general manager, you got to run models, right? So you got to say, okay, if we pay this to Fields and we have to pay this to this player and that, now you find out as the cap increases where your team is and what you can get. Now, there's value, right? If you draft the quarterback, you're going to get a guy on a five-year cheap contract. Great. If you trade for a lot of the picks, you get a bunch of players on cheap contracts. You get high value for cheap contracts. So there's the balance and the way off. And then I think you've got to fundamentally ask yourself the one question that you feel like, can we win with paying fields and, and, and trading the pick? Can we win a title? Can we win the North? And I think if you go back to the Cleveland game, you find your answer. You go back to the Cleveland game, you find your answer. You know, and in that game, you had a hard time throwing the football against a good team. See, everybody wants to measure it against the Falcons or measure it against another team. If you're the general manager and you're Ryan Poles, you have to take, you can only watch him against the good teams because those good teams are who you have to beat in the playoffs. You know, everybody just wants to, well, you know, he's had a really good game. You know, his career's t- he turned it around. Atlanta, he threw for this. Go back and watch. He threw, for, he threw 40 attempts for 166 yards against Cleveland. All right? And then when you go back and really study the season, he hasn't thrown for over 200. You, have to, you know, there has been one game over 200 yards. Now, what they've done a great job of is they haven't turned the ball over. They've done a much better job. They have six turnovers on this win, seven turnovers on this win streak. They have, they've given the ball away 18 times. They've taken the ball away 18 times. They've given it away seven. So they're, you know, they're plus 11 in turnover takeaway. But you've got to say to yourself, is, can he throw the ball effectively enough in this offense that we're willing to pay him $45, $50 million and we can, and we'll have to build the team around that? That's really the question that has to get asked. Fans don't ask that question. You know, people are still saying, well, Lombardi, you were stupid. You said sweat. I said you could get sweat for free. I didn't want to trade the asset for sweat. You give up a high two, you pay sweat a lot of money. Sweat would have taken that contract in the free agent market, trust me. So you would have still had your two. But people said, well, we wouldn't have been as good defensively. Okay, 
now you're stuck with Eberflus. Good luck. You got him. He's yours. This is what happens. So, and I think Eberflus deserves to stay. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. I think he's overcome so much that he deserves to stay. But to me, this move is really about, are you willing to pay the player what the going rate is at quarterback? Because you're not getting a discount. Why would Justin Fields take less money than Daniel Jones? Yeah, and that's the contract that I would probably have in mind if you were to pay Justin Fields is that because like I feel like there's almost two different going rates at quarterbacks. There's the Burrow Herbert going rate, and then there's the Daniel Jones going rate. Fields is in more of the Daniel Jones going rate category. Like he hasn't proven enough to ever get to that other like kind of max contract that we saw the Bengals and Chargers give to their respective quarterbacks to where, but. Couldn't you weather that storm giving him a Daniel Jones type contract with all the draft capital that you had and the draft capital that you would acquire if you do eventually trade that number one overall pick? But then you don't have a quarterback. You don't have somebody throwing the ball. I mean, that's the question you have to answer. Can you go into can you go into a tough environment and throw the football? You threw it 40 times against Cleveland. Go back and watch that tape. If you're really a fan of football and you really want to understand what you have to do, go put on the Cleveland Brown defensive tape against the Chicago Bears and study it. Study it. The very first play of the game and study till the last play of the game. Don't watch it. Study it. Watch what Schwartz did against Fields. He, de- he told you everything you need to know on that tape. That doesn't make Fields a bad player. I'm not suggesting that. It makes fields, it highlights his limitations. And you as the general manager, Femi, you got to be able to watch that tape and say, I can live with these limitations. you got to watch that tape and say, I can't live with these limitations. Because when you go against the good coaches that can do the things that Schwartz did against him, then you've got to sit there and say, okay, we can beat good teams with him. See, there's always a level that, you know, playing, there's a, the, the NFL is like playing a video game. There's certain, you get to this level, then you got to get to this level, then you got to get to the next level. Well, you want to take the guy who's on level two and pay him like he's on level five. That ain't going to work until you get to level five. That was Belichick's conversation about Allen. He's proved consistently over the course of his career that he can raise his level of play. Well, I don't think you can say that. Justin Fields right now, level two, but at 24 years old and what we've seen over the second half Here of the season. Here we go again. Here we go again. This is my question is, do you think he can get to level three or four or five? Uh, there's no, Femi, he averages 6.7 yards per attempt. You winning any title doing that? You winning anything doing that? You, you, you can't do that. You know, you, you got it. Look, I think the kid... I think he's, you know, he's done a better job of protecting the football. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. There is no question he's done a better job of protecting the football. He, he's, his percentage of completion slightly has gone up, right? He had a higher quarterback. He had a higher percentage of touchdowns last year than he did last this year. He's lowered his interception percentage. Great, right? He's done. Last year, he averaged 7.1 yards per attempt. Now we go and get him DJ Moore, and everybody says, well, this is going to make all the difference. You included. We're gonna, he's at 6.8 this year, eight yards per attempt passing. But they have D.J. Moore. But they got D.J. Moore. So that was going to solve all the problems. So now you want to add more person. You want to add more. You see, to me, it's just like all you do is chase your tail when you keep asking that question. You got you to take the tape and watch the tape and study the tape and say, okay, here's the way Cleveland played. Go back to the opening game. People are just giving the Bears this game against Green Bay. Go back to the opening game against the Packers. Watch that tape. I mean, and I don't think Joe Barry's a great defensive coordinator. I don't think he's a great defensive coordinator, but the Packers understand what it t- how to play him. What did he throw for 189 yards in that game? Yeah, a lot of turnovers I mean, in that you game. Know, and, they lost, and they lost 38 to 10 in that game. I mean, well, it was 38 to 20, but it was 38 to, I think it was 38 13 when he scored. We'll obviously talk about this much more since it's a big offseason storyline, but just as we sit here right now on January 4th, what do you think the Bears do? What do you think they do? I think they draft a quarterback. You you think take one of the guys, whether it's Caleb Williams, Drake May, maybe Michael Penix, maybe Jaden Dales with the number one overall pick. I think they got to study it. Yep. All right. We'll be back on the other side.
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The season will come to a conclusion for the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. They're hosting the Denver Broncos where they're two and a half, three point favorites. But the biggest news about this Raiders team came earlier this week when a lot of people in the Raiders locker room have been making the plea for Antonio Pierce, the interim head coach, to get interim removed from the title and become the permanent head coach. Chief among them, all pro wide receiver Devontae Adams. When he was asked about it by the media earlier this week, here's what he had to say about Pierce becoming the potential head coach of the Las Las Vegas Raiders. It's obviously who I wanted. That's that's my vote, and I've I've been vocal about that. And that's um, you know that's that's basically how the whole locker room feels, and you know with good reason. I mean, he's coming in and done done a great job, and you know he's continued to to win us over. It's not just the the comfortable thing. I think um, having AP here will will be uh, you know it'll be good for this this organization. He's he kind of embodies what it means to be a Raider, and that mentality, that swag, and you know all the things that he endorses is is the things that I believe in. So. Well, that's a pretty big statement coming from one of the locker room leaders and one of the best players in the NFL. And it's, it's not a surprise based on what we've seen over the past eight weeks or so with this Raiders team. Well, no. And I mean, he's got a direct link right to Mark Davis. I mean, Mark Davis talks to the players. I mean, you know, and so he's obviously going to have a conversation with him and he gives his full support to Antonio Pierce. Look, I think what the Raiders have on their side in this situation is time. It, this hiring cycle is really going to take time. And you got to spend a lot of time in terms of you can't get in front of anybody until after to the divisional games. I think it's the 21st. So, you know, Wednesday is the first day that you could actually do some interviews with people via Zoom uh, with but not, you know, with with teams that are not in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole bunch of rules and they're coming out with them and change them. And you've got to interview. You have to interview so many different people for so many different positions within the organization. So, you know, even if he wanted to hire Antonio Pierce today, he couldn't do it. It's he has to go through this incredible process. I think it's going to take some time. So I think at that point, the Raiders can make some inquiries you know a lot of people think maybe Jim Harbaugh could be going there because he hired Don Yee you know Harbaugh's playing Monday night for the national championship not much left to accomplish in Michigan but I think this is really comes down to money right I mean you know what's hard what would it take to get Harbaugh if someone's willing to pay you know now you know, Ben Johnson's agent denied it but if somebody and I heard the same thing Josina Anderson heard so maybe it's just a bad rumor but you know the the fact that 15 million to pay Ben Johnson what are you paying Harbaugh you paying him 20 25 do you have a tolerance to pay that do you want to pay that I mean that's a fundamental question and you know I think to me the Raiders can kind of kick the tires on guys like that like on Harbaugh and find out engage the level of what it would take to get him financially Besides going into the whole thing, I get the sense from talking to people that they want to keep they want to keep Champ Kelly at general manager. They want to keep Antonio Pierce. I think that's kind of something I think they would want to do. And then if you're Mark Davis, you've got to ask yourself the question, Okay, can these two people help find my quarterback of the future? Because I don't have them right now. It's not Aiden O'Connell and it's not Jimmy Garoppolo and it's not Brian Hoyer. 
So, you know, through this change, somebody's going to have to be able to, to evaluate, develop, and coach the quarterback. Pierce is a defensive guy. Kelly's never had that responsibility. There's a lot at stake here, my man. A lot at stake. Yeah, and uh, right now, Bo Hardegree, the interim play caller there. So it's it's a pretty inexperienced bunch, but, I mean, the guys have been playing hard for them. They're 4-4 four and four since Antonio Pierce took over as the interim head coach. Yeah. And one thing to keep in mind with Mark Davis, because he did tell Albert Breer, or Albert Breer at least reported it the day after Christmas, that Davis regretted not giving Rich Basaccia the permanent head coaching job after the job he did in 2021, taking over for Gruden when they lost that playoff game to the Cincinnati Bengals. So maybe that kind of comes into play here with Mark Davis's decision-making of who to make the head coach right i mean still and he's got to pay mcdaniels a bunch of money so like this could be a financial thing too they'll they'll claim it's not but i mean there's only so much money you can keep spending on coaches that doesn't come out of the salary cap pool Mm -hmm. so i I think you got to take that into consideration as as you go forward this again it's going to come down to how do we address the quarterback issue you know, I would assume that Antonio Pierce has somebody in the interview that he would want as his OC. I think the guy that's kind of not gotten enough credit in this whole situation has been Pat Graham. I mean, Pat Graham, for all the Antonio Pierce conversation, Pat Graham's defense has really played well, has really played well. And, you know, the offense, you can make the case not so much, right? And for for whatever reason, starting with no quarterback, right? I mean, Aiden O'Connell continues to prove that he is nothing but maybe a good backup, not even, maybe mm-hmm. a decent one. Uh, you know, I mean, he's had more than enough chances. I don't know how he didn't get benched in the Minnesota game, which I think if you go back and look at that game, that's the one game where you would say the judgment by Pierce wasn't very good. I think the Colts game was another one where he had opportunities, especially on the fringe of that, do I kick it, do I not, do I go for it on fourth down, do I not? You know, and he kept saying to be aggressive, but then he punted. Yeah. Uh, and I understand why he punted, because he, you know, he's scared of his quarterback. He doesn't have a quarterback who can make a play. But the fact that that was a three-point game uh, – with especially the way, you know, they had more than an opportunity if they were a little bit more aggressive. So I think that's kind of where it's got to go. I think this is a broader question than just you got to listen to what the what's Kelly's plan on how to fix the quarterback. What's Pierce's plan to how to fix the quarterback? And I think that's going to lead you to the answer. No, I, I 100% agree with you. Vinny Bonsignor, who uh, covers the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal, reported about the Harbaugh stuff going on that with Don Yee being signed on as Harbaugh's agent. There's a connection with Don Yee and the Raiders. Do you think Monday night Harbaugh is going to coach his last game here for Michigan? Like, is he a legitimate candidate here for this Raiders job or maybe even other jobs out there as well? The Chargers have been kicked around. Other teams have been kicked around for Harbaugh services. Yeah, I mean, I know that, that, that he's certainly going to be kicked around. Again, I think it's coming down to financially, what are you willing to spend? I think the Chargers are going to be in play for him. I don't think there's any question about that. And he fits what the Chargers need. The Chargers need toughness. The Chargers need accountability. The Chargers need somebody to come in there and give them, give the ownership credibility. And he does all those things, right? And is it worth it? Look, the Chargers are not, you know, like... It's funny, the Raiders moved to Las Vegas. They kind of got kicked out of the L.A. market. The Chargers took it, thinking they were going to have the windfall financially. Whereas the Raiders, I mean, if the Raiders don't go to Las Vegas, they don't have this windfall of cash. They'll be a, they would be one of the bottom teams in terms of cash making money. Now they're one of the wealthiest teams in the league. So that Vegas move was huge. And so the Chargers are now one of those teams that don't really have a lot of money. They don't because, they, you know, they, they don't, they're paying for the relocation. There's a lot of things going on here. I think they need credibility. I, I think some of the things that are driving this offseason market is credibility. I mean, David Tepper needs credibility. Now, he needs somebody to look him in the eye and tell him the truth, right? He needs somebody to look him in the eye and say, hey, David, either you want to build this the right way or you just keep doing what you're doing, you're going to end up like Dan Snyder. Either you got a plan or you don't. Like, what is your plan? You know, when you hired Matt Rule, did you have a plan? You thought, I thought he did. I thought this guy was going to be a really good owner. I really did. Because I thought he was going to take the Warren Buffett approach, the, the way he made all his money and put it into building a franchise around tenant principles of we're going to rebuild the offensive line, rebuild the defensive line, get a quarterback, and we're going to go from there. Instead, he's all over the place. And what makes matters worse it's the same thing that happens in Las Vegas. It's the same thing that happens in Carolina. When, when the coaches or the players on different levels have direct contact with the owner, mm-hmm. you, you don't have a culture. 
you, you, you just it's impossible to have a culture. Right. And so, you know, when the when the owners listening to the players and I'm not saying they shouldn't listen, but when they're doing what the players want, it, it doesn't have a long lifespan. It just doesn't because I've seen players flip in a second. They, they flip in a second if it doesn't go well. So and that's the same thing with Tepper in Carolina. He's listening to a thousand people, starting with most guys in the media. I mean, he's on direct contact with some of the insiders in the media. Like he's actually taking their advice. How can that be? Well, they hear what's going on. They know what's going on. No, they they hear what's going on. They don't know what's going on. Like they've never been in a room to do that. They're just repeating. They're regurgitating information to you. That's maybe valuable and maybe not. Yeah, it, that's crazy that that's going on in Carolina. Carolina is one of the pl- t- places that fired their head coach in the midseason. Frank Reich, obviously no longer the head coach of the Panthers. And we are coming up on Monday, <clears throat> the day after week 18, where we see a lot of coaching changes tend to happen. In terms of coaches who might be relieved of their duties, uh, I mean, Ron Rivera, I believe we we think that that's eventually yeah. going to happen. Maybe, maybe it happens Sunday night. Maybe it happens Monday. I, I think he's a, he's a Sunday night candidate. He's I a really Sunday do. night guy? Okay. Well, I, I mean, I, Sunday night, Monday morning. I mean, Ron should – I mean, yeah. he should you know you know he should take his toothbrush you know like when tony went down to went down to uh florida to kind of hide out with paulie yeah. just take your toothbrush with you yeah that's about that's about right get on that boat go out fishing you know and and enjoy it i mean he's not coming back i mean they can't you can't and uh and so there that one i don't atlanta it's going to come down yeah. to i think there are a lot of people in the league think atlanta will open i don't know you know if they happen to backdoor into the playoffs maybe it will maybe it won't so there's one the conversation that has to take place between belichick and robert Kraft. whenever that conversation takes place we will know more when that does whether it's monday it's not going to be monday it's not going to probably be tuesday i would suspect it would be thursday later in the week and then in that conversation is going to determine where that goes. Yeah, I mean, that's the one that everybody's looking at, obviously, with all the success that they've had together in New England there. Ibrafus, we talked about him. He sounds like he's coming back with all the reports over the last few weeks. Dennis Allen is an interesting one in New Orleans. The reports I've read sound like he's coming back there. Is that what yeah. you, based on what you've heard as well? Yeah, I think so. I think he is. I mean, look, you know, that was a big win for him down in Tampa last week. And if he can find a way to win this one, you know, and, and hope that the Bucks stub their toe in Carolina, he's got a heck of a chance. I mean, they're going to have to fix some things offensively. I think, you know, that's been the challenge for Dennis. He's a really good defense coordinator. But as a head coach, I don't think he's really been trained on how to be a great head coach. We talked yeah. about it in the offseason. I mean, you know, it's just he, he sees the game through the defense coordinator's eyes. And, you know, it's funny. they should they, they, That clip of Mike Tomlin where he was talking about being aggressive, rhythm throws, all that. that that's what you want. That's the strategist. He, he's not calling the game offensively or defensively, but he's running the game. That, and that's what so many of these guys lose sight of. They don't watch the game. I mean, Dan Campbell goes for it on fourth and seven from his own seven in the second quarter. People think it's great. Warren Buffett would have did that. He would have played the long game knowing he has six more possessions. So strategy involves the big picture. Yeah, be the CEO. But oftentimes I feel like we get these play callers that they say, hey, I was hired because I'm a good play caller. I got to keep continuing to call the plays when actually you're now hired to do something other than calling the plays. You're supposed to be able to run the entire game. All right, we'll talk some more on the other side. This is the GM Show. The Arizona Cardinals are coming off a big upset victory last Sunday that uh, shook the landscape of the NFC playoff picture for the Cardinals. They're obviously eliminated from contention and they're picking right now in the top five. But sitting at four and 12, Jonathan Gannon, the head coach, has been asked since probably the offseason about what their plan is going to be going forward at quarterback. And he has said it's Kyler Murray during the season. He said it's Kyler Murray. And then now this week was asked once again about those comments and Here's Gannon in his own words on the future of the QP position for the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if what I said, what I said. I mean, there's, I've been convicted since I got here. Um, what the guy's done for us, um, the player that he is, the person that he is, the competitor that he is. Um, you know, I kind of chuckled. That, that's, that's been my view for since I got here. 
He's even <laughs> he's chuckling. He's wondering why the questions are being asked here, Michael. Is anybody is it, watching him play? Is anybody watching tape? This he is averages six point five yards per attempt. It's a quadruple they didn't down. Beat the, they didn't. They didn't beat the Eagles last week because he plays an elite level. Like my question is: is yeah, he makes these run. He runs around. He's tremendous. But like this week, Seattle will rush him the right way. Pete always does a good job against rushing him, making him play bigger. But you know that's their choice. They want to pay him fifty million. They're falling into the. I mean, I think Michael Bidwell wants this. I think he paid him. He wants this. But are you going to put him in your top ten quarterbacks, Femi? No, this season, no. I don't. Think you can't put him in. How the about top last year? Last year he was worse. No. Last year he was worse. And, you know, last year he, he, he was – what did he average last year? He averaged 6.1 yards per attempt. Like, you know, it's funny. You watch Michael Penix throw the ball, and it's down the field, and it's up the field. It's the yards per attempt. Brock Purdy, you know, almost 10 yards per attempt passing. Like, you're not beating anybody at 6'5". You're not beating anybody at 6'9". I mean, you know, we just talked about Justin Fields at 6'7". Lamar Jackson's throwing it up the field. You know, C.J. Stroud's throwing it up the field. you got to make plays down the field. I mean, look, he can do whatever he wants. You want to pay this guy $50 million a year? Go ahead. You better just better make sure that you're getting $50 million value out of it. I think this is what qualifies for the falls into the trap of well, we, we don't have an alternative. And I get that, right? If you're Jonathan Gannon, you can't sit there and say, I don't want Murray because if I don't have Murray, where am I going? I'm going to be 3-12, and 12, Right. You might be three and twelve with them, three and thirteen, three and fourteen with them, but at least you have a, at least you feel like you have somebody who can execute the game plan. You know, when you had Dobbs and all these other guys, I mean, you went back to Cleveland and played, and, and played the, the 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 rookie. You had no chance to even come close to win the game. So to me, this is really where most of these teams have gotten into. They know it's not good enough, but they have to do it. Now, part two becomes. How do we build a team around this guy to make him better? That's the question. You know, but but couldn't you say they do have an alternative? Because right now they're picking fourth overall. Like they could go and get one of these college guys. Like I don't know how much uh, the 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 front office has looked at the college. I know the college scouting directors have looked at all this stuff, but I don't know how much of the pro personnel guys who make the decisions have looked at it. But they, if, if they liked one of these quarterbacks coming out of college, they could easily just go ahead and, and take one of those guys, yeah. couldn't they? Well, they, yeah, but the problem is by the fifth day of the league year, they got to guarantee the money. Are you ready to do that by the fifth day of the league year? You think they're ready to do that? I, I mean, I think that's the – you asked the best question of all. Like, that's the same question the Bears have to do. Instead of just loving falling in love with the one you got, instead of doing the Stephen Stills thing, you got to have to look and compare them. Okay, this guy to that guy. This guy to that guy. How do we compare them? And, and most teams will take the path of least resistance. It's hard to make that decision, Femi. It's hard to sit there and say, I'd rather have player Y than this. You have to have a lot of confidence. And if you're Jonathan Gannon, you know, your first year and you're, you're trying to just kind of you're trying to get this thing back on track. I mean, but if you're watching the game, like, you know, like I, I don't see it. I, I, I don't see it. You know, I mean, now he's coming off the ACL. Maybe that's part of holding him back. But not throwing the ball up the field, I mean, look, it, he's not the reason they're winning. The reason they're winning is James Conner. James Conner and Michael Carter won that Philadelphia game. They were good. They just lost D.J. Humphreys to the ACL this week. So they lose their left tackle. That's a problem. Yeah, no, that, that is a big problem there for the Cardinals. Kind of a bad luck injury, especially at the end of the season here. We'll see if he's good to go for 2024. But you've been in this position there as a general manager, and you've been in working in the front office for a number of years. How much like of the college tape has been watched at this point of the NFL season? Like Now that we're in the final week, has anybody watched yeah. anything? Or is like, do you, do, do, are there even opinions this- formed? No, I think that's why we see such an imbalance of the mocks. That's why, and I've often said this, if you look at some of the guys who do mocks drafts, and I've saved a lot of them, and you look at their January mock to the April mock, it's completely changed. And then we hear this guy's moving way up the board. No, he's not moving up the board. He was just graded wrong. He was just graded by people that don't understand what takes to play in pro football. right? Remember, scouts are grading based on, they, they, they all say they're grading based on their team, but they tend to grade based on what the pack thinks, right? Nobody's going to be an outlier. Mm-hmm. And so like Penix, I'm sure <laughs> Penix doesn't have as high as grades, but once you spend time meeting the kid, once coaches see what he can do, once you visualize the offense, he, he's going to be, hey, that guy could really help us. So I think there's, it's, it's not certain. And because most guys, you know, that go on the road, look, the, look let, let's be clear here. The hardest position to evaluate is the quarterback. 
Mahomes went 10th. Lamar sat in that goddamn green room till 31, till 31 picks went ahead of him. Yeah. He's going to be the two-time MVP, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was screaming for Cleveland to take him. You know? I was screaming for Cleveland to use their first two picks on offense. I would have taken Chubb and Quentin Nelson and then traded back into the first to get Lamar. I, I'm on record as saying that. But, you know, they took Baker. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess they've been able to work their way out of it somewhat to an extent, but that they've been kind of chasing that whole quarterback thing. They're now Flacco's kind of been the savior. But I do think it's interesting, like, just based on, like, where teams are at along the timeline of the draft process, because like Arizona, like Chicago, they have to make these decisions on their quarterbacks. Arizona's come out, said they have conviction. Chicago, they haven't come out and said anything. I'm curious what happens this weekend if this result plays a factor into right. that. That's probably not good, great process, but these are humans, and who knows if they fall into that kind of thing. But... I think you're not really going to draft a quarterback if if Luke Getzey's involved with the team next year. He's going to go out and look at the quarterbacks. Eberflus has got to go look at the quarterback, right? And same thing with same thing with Drew Petzik in Arizona and Jagannon. And then you got to get comfortable with the kid. I, I think the one thing is, and I think it's really hard. And I don't think this is a fault of anything. It's getting understanding who the kid is too. And I don't think you can, you know, you can't really do that. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think I learned this year before by anything is the fact that some, when the quarterback's not relatable to the team and he's kind of a different guy, it's hard to connect. Yeah. Hard to connect. I mean, you know, I think one of Zach Wilson's issue, I don't think he can connect to his teammates. Mac Jones can't connect to his teammates. I mean, in Fields' defense, I mean, his teammates seem to love him. DJ, DJ oh, he connects. Yeah, DJ yeah, no, though, if you talk to people in around the Fields works hard. He does, you know, he does the things. Teammates like him, all that stuff. The problem is, is you're going to have to, how is he going to be able to process and throw the ball when the game speeds up? That's really the fundamental question. There's a lot of things Fields does well. My thing was with Fields is these people, you know, certain persons, thinking he should be the MVP after last year. Like, he has to take gradual steps. Like, he can do enough to win the game, but he also was doing enough to lose the game and turning the ball over with all his fumbles. Now, he's cut down on that. Yeah. Whereas Murray, you know, Murray, I mean, look, Murray is 28-35-1 in his career as a starting quarterback. Yeah. You mentioned if Getze is back. Is that is that something that's – kind of under well, the microscope? Well, I think that's part of the conversation, right? Is this the right, you know, I, I think Getsy's done a hell of a job. I really do. I think he's kind of evolved an offense to the kid. You know, look, I think that's part of where we are in this league today, right? One thing that's pretty clear in the National Football League is there is very few good offensive lines. I think that's pretty, we could say that universally. Yeah. So there's not a lot of good offensive linemen. The defensive lines tend to be way better than the offensive line. And if you don't have a quarterback that, that can move a little bit and get to the second play, it's hard, especially when you're in the red zone. Like Goff back there, fourth and seven, you know where he's going to be. you got to call the perfect play. Or somebody's got to win on the outside. you got to be really good. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen, but w- when you watch red zone teams that are good, the play breaks down, somebody scrambles through, bangs the ball. That second play has become bigger and bigger with each day, which helps fields out, right? Which helps fields out. But at some point in the game, in a two-minute drill, you don't get – got to make the throws. And you got to read the coverage out. So I, I think you got to have somebody who can move around. you you got to have it. Where Like Lamar, when you watch Lamar play, Lamar took away the rush from San Francisco just by Lamar. They didn't want to run up the field. Whereas when, when, they played Sam, when they played Philly, they ran up the field because they wanted Hertz to run. They felt like Hertz was looking at the rush, and as soon as Hertz saw them coming or went on, on the, they were taken off. Yeah. I mean, it's like Lamar makes his offensive line better, just being back there and kind yeah. of doing what he does. Exactly right. And that's part of scouting, too, is like you got to get, you know, there's the, the, the day of – the Bernie Kosar can't move the day of guys that don't move around. It's hard because you got to get that second play. You got to get that second play. That's what makes Stroud. Look, you worry about Stroud. He's undersized. And where's the second play coming from? Same thing with Tua. Where's the second play come from? He's undersized. Done him great. Where's the second play? 
But I would say that Stroud definitely he's done a better job of moving around a little bit. Like, like oh, I, when he was at oh, Ohio State. I think State. Stroud. Well, did I say Stroud? Yeah, you said Stroud. Yeah. Uh, no, I. I, I did you mean I Bryce didn't mean Young? Stroud. Or who did you mean? No, I said I thought I meant Bryce Young. I said yeah. Bryce Young. That's what worries you about yeah. Bryce Young. The yeah. second you got to get to the second play. You know, he's undersized. I think Stroud does get to the second play, and his eye levels up when he gets to it. So. I think the way the game is, you know, I wrote in Gridiron Genius that there's going to be a time where we're going to see two Deshaun Watsons on the field. I think we're getting closer to it. I think you, I think not only do you have to have one, you better have two of them. Because when one plays well enough to get paid, you better have another one behind them that you don't have to pay. Yeah, and you, and you have to be athletic. The way these offensive lines look, you, you better be athletic. If you're back there, man, you're not going to survive in this day and age in the National Football League. But I just think it's such an interesting conversation. And we didn't even mean to get back to the Bears and all that stuff, but the Bears are just so fascinating. And there's a lot of meat that's going to be on that bone throughout this offseason. For the Cardinals, though, apparently they've made up their minds already. It's going to be Kyler Murray going forward. We'll see what they do. If they win again, I think they might end up picking sixth or seventh uh, if they win on Sunday. But they're concerned more about building a culture than a uh, solidifying a draft pick and they do have a lot of those draft picks with that trade with the houston texans a season ago that sort of worked out for both teams at least where they sit here now in 2024 all right we'll wrap things up on the other side and start talking about these marquee matchups for the final week of the regular season This is the final segment here. We'll get to the Week 18 GM Shuffle DraftKings betting breakdown presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code SHUFFLE because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details and Michael to kick off this DraftKings betting breakdown here we wanted to play a soundbite from Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Vrabel because a lot of the discussion in week 18 is well this team has nothing to play for this team should be positioning for the draft in the spring well here's Mike Vrabel's thoughts on all of that he sucks losing awful that's why I want to win because you don't sleep. You want to win for the players that bust their tail. That's it. You know what I mean? It's not about, hey, we'll go into the offseason with a good note. Nobody knows what you did on January 7th or 8th or 6th in April when you come back. But, you know, you want to see, you know, just it all come together. I think that speaks to a lot of week 18 that people that were not in the NFL, like, and I'll put myself in that hat as well, obviously not having any affiliation. Like, like we don't really understand like what's going on when teams, like, Oh, let's just go ahead and tank and get the highest draft pick. Well, I mean, losing sucks. Like Rabel said, nobody wants to lose, right? Everybody, all the bean counters are the same. Well, we could prove our draft position. Meanwhile, the The coaches are sitting over there. We're going to get our asses fired and, you know, we better, we want to win this game. We want to build some momentum. We're going to evaluate the players and the players want to hit their incentives. They want to do well. You know, we we take this, we we have constantly taken this NBA mentality and tried to put it into the NBA, NFL. The three-point shot is better than the two. So naturally, we forget about the, the, the field goals now and we want touchdowns when there's no relevance to it, right? There's a volume of three-point shots that add up in the NBA. You only get 12 possessions, you turn down points, you know, that, that it's a bigger factor. Of course, naturally, nobody tells you what to do after you don't go for it, right? You know, Dan Campbell got a chance to kick the field goal with three points. Why not? Second quarter, I got six more possessions. No, no, I don't want the three. You take it. I'll lose the game. Meanwhile, we'll blame the referees, horrible call, yada, yada, yada. So we take this NBA mentality and we put it in there, you know, and it's wrong. I mean, this wrong, that's not being run that way. Coaches want to win and teams want to try. Now, when when you get a certain situation like uh, interim coaches, and I put these, I I put week 18 rules together. And the number one rule is don't assume a team won't try because they will. Mm-hmm. There's professional pride within that, right? And the other thing is, if you know the coach is coming back for another year, if he's gotten, you know, and, and the locker room's bought into him, like Sean Payton's coming back another year. Last year, you knew Dan Campbell was coming back. They'll play their asses off because they know that tape is going to be watched, graded, and judged for next year. So they're going to play their asses off, right? 
you know, whereas if you're, if you're betting on an interim coach who they know is not coming back, Chris Tabor, right? You, you know, you may get a good effort, you may not. It's risky. Antonio Pierce is trying to fight for his job, right? And, 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 and Devontae Adams, as we talked about earlier, he's got the locker room. So, you know, I also think teams that have everything to play for, Tampa, they tend to play tight. They're scared. Mm-hmm. They don't want to make a mistake. They don't want to blow the game open. Remember that the, the Chargers, the, the Jaguars were 17 and a half point dogs going into Indy and lost by se- and won by 17 and a half, won by 18 or something like that. Yeah. The, 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 the Colts, you know? Yeah, the Colts were that big favorite and they ended up losing the game. Yeah, I think teams tend to play too tight. You know, they tend to play. I don't want to turn this over. I don't want to make mistakes. And then I just really think if you're a playoff team and you have some momentum, I, I think you want to stay with the momentum. You know, like I know the Rams are shutting it down this week. And that's Sean McVay, and he's able to get away with it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you look at some of these, like Detroit, I can see Campbell wanting to play well. Get that mo- keep that momentum going into next week. People say, well, you've got to avoid injury. Look, you've got to play the game. You only can inactivate seven people. Like this whole notion that they're just going to sub out everybody. There's only 47 people. Why was Bradley Chubb on the field at the end of the game? Who do you want to put in the game? Who do you want to put in there? You know, the guy that you might have put in there might not know what to do. They can't put him in there. And it was a non-contact injury. So, like, this whole thing, like, you could second-guess it, but you've never been in the room where you only have 47. You can't rest everybody. Somebody's got to play. And, and it's good for the young players to play. Like, people are saying, well, Rasheed Rice shouldn't play for the Chiefs. Why not? He needs to play as much as he can play. He's not good enough to not play. Yeah. What's the what's the old Belichick line about injuries again? He said, if I knew the play that he'd get injured on, I'd take him out the, the play before? If you tell me the play that he's going to get hurt on, these gurus, then I'll take him out the play before. I'll take him out the play before. That's not a problem. We'll yep. take care of that. Hindsight 2020. I mean, you got to play. Look, I get, you know, when Mike Williams got hurt last year, we were all, Mike Williams is valuable. Yeah. You can't afford to lose Mike Williams. They did. And he was already hurt, difference. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he was already hurt, right? Like Lamar, I get them not playing Lamar. Yeah. I mean, I get McCaffrey. I get not playing. I wouldn't. If I was San Francisco, I'm not playing Bosa. I'm not playing McCaffrey. I'm not playing Trent Williams. I'm not, you know, that somebody's got to play receiver, mm-hmm. right? But I'm not playing anybody who's hurt. Armstead, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to play Armstead. I mean, but right there, you already listed off like what, like six guys or so? It's like you only That's, got one more spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can only have one more. Like people <laughs> act like it's preseason. Yeah. It's like, like, like Greenlaw will be out there, you know, like, like other guys will be out there. Like you got to play guys. And I think that's a good thing to keep in mind if you're going to be betting week 18. Well, let's talk about this week 18 slate. Uh, and we'll start with with our producer, Elliot's Indianapolis Colts fighting for their playoff lives at home against the Houston Texans. This is a do or die win and you're in, lose, and you're likely eliminated. Houston's a, a short one and a half point road favorite, total 47 and a half. Who do you think wins this game? You know, I, I just watch the Colts' defense, right? And I look at them and I say, wait a minute, when do they play good? You know, like, tell me that, you know, when are they going to play somebody that they could stop? I mean, when you look at their rankings and you look at where they sit in terms of their defensive personnel, I mean, they're very soft. They give up a lot of free cover. I mean, they made – look, they, they, they made, uh, they made uh, Aiden O'Connell look like Peyton Manning last week, Right. I mean, you know, they, you know, Gus Bradley's going to play cover. You know, he's going to play his palms coverage. 27th in points allowed, 24th in yards. Can't stop anybody. Supposed to be great on the run. Can't stop anybody in the run game. You know, won't give up big plays, but you can keep matriculating the ball down the field. And for me, you know, I, like I have a hard time. And, and it isn't like, just think about these numbers. I want to read you. I want to read you the quarterbacks that they have faced. Okay. Mm-hmm. that they've accumulated these stats that I just read to you based on playing against. Here's where they are. They've played Bryce Young, Mac Jones, Baker Mayfield, Will Levis, Jake Browning, Mitch Trubisky, Taylor Heineke, and Aiden O'Connell. And those are the numbers they have. Yikes. Think about that now. Put that in perspective, right? You're shitty on the you, – you, you've played no real quarterback – and yet you are, and these are the numbers you have. What does that tell you about your team? If you're Chris Ballard, you're sitting there saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on here. Where, where we rank here, and we haven't really played a good quarterback, and yet these guys, are, these guys have put these numbers on us. Something's wrong. We're, not, we're either not good enough. Again, players coach a scheme. Maybe we got shitty players. Maybe the scheme's not good enough. Maybe the coach is not good enough. 
I think this is the real decision for for uh, Shane Steichen. I mean, if he wants to keep going down this road of Gus Bradley and this cover three Seattle Palm defense, great. But he better make sure he picks nothing but defense alignment for the rest of the time because you can't play this scheme without defense alignment. The numbers are bad, but when you add the context, it's even worse there for the Indianapolis Colts defense. The NFC South, though, we have three teams that could potentially win it. We'll have to go rapid fire with three and a half minutes left. Bucks have a win and in, and then there's still an outside chance that New Orleans or Atlanta can win it. Who do you think wins the NFC South? Well, it's funny because, I, I mean, Bill, Bill A.D. Was, sent out some numbers this morning in the great morning email that Bill A.D. gets as we tape this on Thursday. But I think this puts it in perspective, right? Since 1990, Teams eliminated from the playoffs, right, that, that are playing a team that needs to win over the last two weeks of the season, right? Those teams that are eliminated are 164 and four against the spread, okay? Mm-hmm. 164 and four. So you think, okay, they need to win. This team has nothing to play for. We're the NBA. We'll tank. No, 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 no. 61%. So that the Panthers. They were a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Now they're down to four-and-a-half, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty much most everywhere. The Titans, they were up at five-and-a-half, too, with the Jags. They're down to, what, four? Yeah. The Cardinals, three-point favorite, a three-point dog against Seattle, two-and-a-half. The Bears are the only game that has stayed pretty much even. So, you know, I, I think to me, this is what makes this weekend so hard. The numbers are inflated to lure you into thinking the team that has nothing to play for will lay down. They will play. Yeah. And the Panthers, what are they tanking for? They don't have any draft picks, so it doesn't even incentivize them to lose. Uh, who wins the NFC East? Is it just going to be Dallas that gets it against uh, with the commanders? Or I think Philly retreats. I think Philly's not going to play their guys all on Sunday. It's going to be bad yeah. weather. I think they're going to want to get their guys out. And look, I would rather play, if I'm Philly, I'd much rather go to Tampa, go to New Orleans, go to Atlanta, than potentially be in the two seed and welcoming the Rams in. Yeah, and, and Philly will definitely be scoreboard watching. Those two games are at the same Philly time. Philly is one of the teams that will be – they are uh, – say there's 30, there's 32 teams in the league. Philly's looking at that. Analy- Philly's going to do what analytics tells them to do. Howie Roseman will have that Cowboys-Commanders game up in the suite there when they're playing the New York Giants. Uh, last two games here, Bears-Packers. Do Big Daddy's Packers get in the playoffs? They're healthiest that they've ever been. Second game, they usually play a team better the second time. They played the Bears really good the first time. You know, I think that you can see the Bears are playing better defensively, too. You know, I think the way these weapons the Packers have, plus they can pass protect. I I like love. I think love's good. I think Reed's good. They get Watson back this week. Dobbs. This is going to be hard. You know, I think Johnson, the corner for the Bears, is hurt. So, yeah, I mean, I know I I took the Bears on McAfee at plus at three. It's a little bit like to me, it's like this Cleveland game. I don't I don't feel good about it. How about Bills Dolphins? Could be a potential two seed or out for Buffalo. Look, I'm going to take. I think Miami. I, I think Miami is. I think Buffalo is overvalued in the market based on what they've done offensively over the last month. It hasn't been good for the Buffalo Bills if you look at the last month, like you said there. But uh, PR wise, it's been great. PR wise, it's been great. They're rolling four straight or whatever. If you it peel is. back the numbers, if you peel back the numbers, they're not good. If you really peel back the numbers, the numbers don't match the rhetoric. I forgot and to we're going to hear it all day Sunday night. <laughs> we're going to hear how great they are. I forgot to ask you, Raven Steelers, who do you think wins that game? Oh, I think the Steelers win, but I don't think the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to kick kicking and screaming. They're not going to give this thing up. Ravens cover. That does it for us here on this Thursday. We'll see you guys Monday to recap the final week of the regular season. Subscribe, rate, and review as always, and be well.